Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Episode 117 is an interview with Andrew Wind. Andrew is an Australian expert physiotherapist with a special focus on foot and ankle problems. With over 20 years of clinical experience, he typically deals with complex cases from both elite athletes to everyday runners. Having represented Australia in two world championships in cross-country skiing, Andrew has definitely mixed it up with some of the fittest athletes in the world and has even won the Rialto Stair Climb event in Melbourne, back when it was at the Rialto. Andrew talks with me today about how important your feet are to your athletic career and how focusing on your feet can fast track your progress. If you do enjoy this episode, which I am sure you will, please go on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on to rate, review and subscribe. It really, really helps grow the audience and the show and I do appreciate your time that you take to give feedback and support. Now, if you want to be the best athlete you can be, you deserve the best coaching you can get. Peak Endurance Coaching will help you achieve your running goals through providing customised plans that reflect your commitments in life and your athletic history. You will become fitter, faster and stronger whilst becoming part of the Peak Endurance Coaching community. Don't waste a minute of your running journey. Email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get a program designed just for you started. Enjoy this chat with Andrew. Hey, it's Tom Day here. I'm back with some more thoughts. I want to talk a little bit about failure today. And I've been doing some thinking about failure. Um, this year, I've had a few failures myself. I've DNF'd some races. And I've also not done as well as I thought or wanted to do in other races. And 
when I've been reflecting about it today, it's made me realize that I've actually learned the most from these races and I've, it's made me think deeply about myself and has brought out, you know, some insecurities that I have with myself, you know, things like basing your self-worth on, for me, mental strength and these kind of things. And I wouldn't have thought about these so deeply um, if I didn't DNF these. And it wouldn't make me question myself so much, which I think is important for all of us. And that's why I want to make the argument that it's kind of, well, I want to make the, I want to make the argument that failure is arguably better than successes because you learn more. And, and I think it's something we should all think about. And it kind of relates to everything being about the journey rather than the end result, you know, rather than achieving the goals we're after or winning or, you know, or finishing or whatever. And, yeah, the the whole idea about failure, um, I think we should really flip it on its head. And you know, if you look at failure as as a good thing, you can't go into anything in a negative mindset. I mean, you're always going to have a positive outcome. You know, because if you fail, then you you and you look at it this way, you're going to improve. You're going to become better for it. It's going to make you think more deeply. It's going to learn you're going to learn more about yourself um but if you succeed you're not going to reflect as much and so but you're going to have that instant success which feels good so no matter what you do you're going to rather succeed or fail and if failure is a positive and success is a positive it's a win-win and i think that's a really good way of looking at things and i realize that's kind of how i've been looking at things recently after some of the you know failures i've had this year and I just think that's something we should all kind of think about, you know, especially a lot of people that do these ultra running races, um, are highly, uh, motivated people who are probably highly successful in other areas of life too. And, and I think it's, it's a healthy way of looking at failure and, and that journey. Hi, Andrew, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hey, Isabel, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's uh, an honor to be um, talking to you today. Yeah, no, um, and, and great to have you because we always uh, want to hear from specialists in the field. So before we get into that, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your athletic background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a physio by trade, but... Um, I uh, started um, skiing, I guess, uh, was, was what became my sport when I was 15. And, um, and then it became sort of a little more serious when I was um, 19. So in, uh, I was in physio school by then and uh, I was out for a run and um, trying to, uh, you know, work off some of the calories that um, uni students um, tend to consume. And, and I bumped into an old skier and uh, he had made the um the victorian junior squad and was uh, heading to poland to race at junior world championships in cross-country skiing and and uh i remember back at school i'd beaten this guy fairly convincingly and i thought you know that that sounds like fun so um i I ended up getting back into uh, a bit of training and two years later was invited to the national team and um a year or two after that was um uh, claimed a spot on the on the Australian ski team and and uh, and then that took me racing around the world for um, ten years and um, I did a little running um, in in between um, not not that fast and not necessarily that long um, but um, 
yeah, that was that was mostly it was it became all about cross country skiing with um, a little bit of running and cycling and triathlons and things as cross training in there. And, and cross country skiing and running are fairly similar in the you know the sort of the fitness you need. Would you would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think there's. I mean, in cross country skiing. There's two techniques. There's classical technique, which is where you're sort of shuffling or walking or, or exaggerated striding, uh, and then there's skating, which is more like uh, ice skating. So, I'd say particularly the classical technique. The the best classic skiers in the world are are very good runners. Um, particularly the um, the Norwegians have got. Mm. They hold some. A couple of them hold some track track records, I think, um, from from some time ago. So they can certainly pull out um, pretty good good runs as well. So there's there's huge crossover both in the movement pattern, but um, uh, certainly for fitness. I certainly know a lot of the Europeans in the winter season um, do cross country skiing to keep their fitness up. Now you also um, won the Rialto Tower Climb. Yeah, I did. Um, that was a while ago. That was in 2004. And uh, the story behind that was we were um, we were doing a lot of uh, training at the time. When I say we, some of the national team guys were living in Melbourne here in Australia and, and we were running up Mount Dandenong. I'm sure right. you're familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and we were doing intervals up and down Mount Dandenong. And, and so we were in reasonable shape. And then my girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, worked in the Rialto building and she said, oh, there's this, there's this race that they're, mm. they're running again, you know? And I said, I reckon I'd be pretty good at that. And uh, she said, well, why, yeah, what? it's on tomorrow. Why don't you enter? Oh, wow. um, <laughs> and so I said, you know, I, I will. And uh, so I rocked up on a Friday lunchtime and, um, and ended up winning the, the, the damn thing. So um, uh, it, was, it was a bit of a shock to me as well. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing having entered it the day before. So that gives hope to a lot of the athletes out there who do run up and down Mount Dandenong a lot. I've often wondered what's it like, you know, being inside that stairwell when you're huffing and puffing and, like, is it constrictive? What's it like? Yeah, it's it's some of the most painful minutes um, I've, I've ever experienced, certainly yeah. respiratory-wise. Um it's, it's horrible. The air well there is, um, I mean, the, uh, you know, they, they do it on Eureka now, uh, the high, yeah. high building. And I've done that as well, but um, the air well is, is locked most of the time. So it's really stale air and it's, yeah. um, it's pretty, pretty claustrophobic and, you know, it's hard to pass. Um, and I know there's, you know, the stair running community is a whole, whole other thing. Um, and I've treated a few of the, the stair runners and they, they take it you know, very seriously. But yeah, it's horrible. I was coughing for days afterwards, oh, wow. uh, maybe three or four days. It was, it was uh, horrible on the lungs. <laughs> I bet. Now, also as a, um, as a physiotherapist, you work with athletes, elite athletes and just everyday people on foot and ankle issues. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I knew I wanted to be a sports physio. That's like most physios. And uh, on the national team, I had a, um, an assessment by the, the, the then um, national team physio. And uh, I, I think he was secretly recruiting, to be honest, because, uh, you know, he said to me, all good physios, you know, need to know the foot and ankle really well because that's the connection to the ground if you want to work with athletes you need to be good at that area and I, and I sort of thought about that and I thought that makes 
that makes sense. So, so the next thing I knew, he'd offered me a job and said, come and come and work for me. And he, uh, his name's Stuart and he worked with a lot of um, foot and ankle surgeons. And so the next thing I knew I was, I was doing foot and ankle um, specialty rehab. And I guess it was something that um, I realized pretty soon that uh, wasn't necessarily being done well uh, by a lot of other physios because you just don't spend enough time on that area in our course. And uh, I ended up um, realizing that I, I could do, uh, get better results than, than uh, some of my other peers. And so I ended up sort of specializing in that. So it's probably 70% of my day is, um, is foot and ankle. It tends to be complex ones now. Some of it's post-operative surgical things. Um, I consult to everyday weekend warriors mostly, but uh, I also get a few professionals that have had some chronic issues. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, Australian Open players in the last sort of six months. So quite a few of Tennis Australia tend to uh, drift in through here with um, difficult problems. Um, elite uh, endurance athletes, a whole, whole host of uh, different types of people. Mm. So why are our feet so important for performance? I mean, I know we run on them, but we kind of forget about them by the same token. <laughs> so why are they so important? Yeah, uh, you're spot on. I mean, we, we, unless you're running bare feet or you've got a real interest in it, and I'm sure your listeners, um, some of them have thought about it a lot. Some of them won't have thought about it a lot, but they're, they're stuck in shoes. We don't even look at them most of the time. And some people really hate, you know, looking at their feet and, 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 and don't want to look at them. And um and runners with their banged up toes and <laughs> and uh, and and the like um, sometimes really don't want to look at them. Um, but why are they so important? Um, look, it's it's obviously it's that connection to the ground. Uh, when you look at the the talus bone, for example, um, and I could talk all day about the importance of your feet, but the talus bone, the bottom of our ankle, you know, it's only it's only say about four centimeters wide, and 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 our entire body is sitting on top of that. Uh, it, that in itself is extraordinary, but um, there's some new research in particular that uh, is looking at and the contribution of the, the foot itself to propulsion. And uh, some of this is being done in Australia, which is exciting. And, and what they're finding is between 17 and 20% of forward propulsion is uh, contributed to from the foot. And uh, specifically, the role of the foot muscles is really being... Uh, poorly researched and understood until fairly recently. So uh, I think for a runner in particular or, or any really endurance athlete that is weight-bearing, um, we'll, we'll remove swimmers, et cetera, out of that. Um, any weight-bearing athlete, their feet um, not only contribute to performance, uh, but may play a really key role in preventing injuries. And uh, we, we certainly are always looking for ways to avoid any days, single days, lost running. So, um, yeah. you know, they play a key role. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing what you said about the talus bone and four centimetres in our whole body. Like, I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's crazy. Um, and I can show you on, on camera, but, um, you know, the, the, this is the, our, our talus bone here and, and yeah. the whole body weight just sitting on that is is just extraordinary so if there's any sort of interruption to that then the compensatory effects is um is quite dramatic you'll compensate for that somewhere somehow and then yeah. tissues get overloaded 
Yep, yep. That makes sense. And and people, if, if you wanted to see that, you can look on the YouTube clip for that. So, um, and what mistakes do runners generally make in regards to their feet? Yeah, so shoe choice is critical, I think, there. And uh, that's a question I get asked on a, if not daily, certainly weekly basis. Um, and that's always, always topical. Um, and the, the way I sort of answer that is, is to uh, refer to some of uh, ben O'Nig, um, N-I-double-G, he's a researcher out of Canada that's, that's spent a lot of time on this. And it's probably one of the more reliable methods of, of choosing shoes. And, and largely it centers around a re the really simplistic way of going and trying on a bucket load of shoes and picking the pair that just feels right for you. Um, I used to work at the athlete's foot and, uh, you know, we had some um what seems like trivial training now but uh at the time it seemed really uh, revolutionary and using force plates and things like that um but it was amazing how when i tried to apply science and training to shoe selection that uh, invariably i would say 80 to 90 percent of the time the, the customer would choose the right shoe for them anyway going off feel and well, that's, that's certainly supported by um by mm. Nick's research, so so that's how I answer that question. But uh, I think running in the in in a shoe that um, it doesn't fit well is too tight uh, is a is a major mistake, um, and uh, and really just not uh, looking after your feet. So uh, they get stiff uh, and and not keeping them supple and mobile. I think is probably another key uh, simple to fix um, mistake that uh, that a lot of runners make as well. So um, I'll just go back a little bit. You're talking about shoes being too tight. Is that to do with us uh, lacing too tight or buying the wrong size? Yeah, the bigger problem is the, the shoe's too small. Um, mm -hmm. So it might feel nice and snug and, uh, mm -hmm. and nice and connected. But uh, what it does is then it reduces our toes' ability to use the utilise all the small muscles. And then um, that that's, has a huge flow-on effect. So... Generally, too small is a major problem. Lacing too tight will cause a short-term issue on the top of your foot, yeah. um, and, and you might have experienced that, or some of the, some of your listeners might have. But um, that not, I'm not as fussed about that. That usually goes away. Uh, but too small is is a problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about too big? Does that have other issues? Yeah. Great. Great question. Um, let, yeah, yeah, particularly for off-road and trail runners, if you if you're sliding around, and I, that that's certainly an issue. So, um, uh, yeah, but for me, if I had to choose between the lesser of two evils, I'd I'd, I'd prefer a, a too larger shoe than a too smaller shoe every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, I personally, when I'm running an ultra, I have um, a couple of sizes as my feet swell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know the sock. Um, you're wearing is, is is key as well and, and preventing shear force as well so um make sure you you've you've tested uh, your your shoe sock combination and then make sure you take that sock in with you when you're trying on all the yeah. uh, multiple shoes if you're going to use that strategy yeah yeah that's fair enough now um what about in regards to toe box would you recommend i know you said to get what's comfortable but would you recommend a wider toe box yes i'm glad you said that yes um wider toe box um the better and yeah. um uh we said we wouldn't get to dive too far down the rabbit hole of bare, barefoot uh <laughs> shoes um, okay. 
uh, but uh, if if we're going to talk about it a little bit, the, then I mean, uh, a barefoot style shoe is is fantastic because it gives the toes enough room to spread. So yeah, a, a wide toe box uh, is definitely my preference. Um, I like natural shoes. I like barefoot shoes as long as you um, do all the strengthening and you're committed to making them work for you. Um, mm. So most most of my clients, I'd say, are not, but we we have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're talking about a barefoot shoe, are you talking about like Vibrams or more like ultras with the, with the zero drop? Yeah. So barefoot versus minimalist. Yeah. That's, um, that's an important distinction. So um, I guess I'm talking a minimalist shoe um, generically. Uh, so yes, there's a difference between um, the barefoot uh, with the, the Vibrams, which is harder to find now, but mm. um, you know, the Vivos um, and the Zeros uh, that are natural or minimalist, uh, the most minimalist type shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what are some of the things that we can do as runners to ensure our feet are in good condition? All right. So, yeah, these are my, this is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> first of all, you've got to make sure your feet are mobile. So we mentioned that earlier and that, that's really easy. Um, uh, my favorite uh, little tool there is a, a silicon massage ball, uh, but you can use a tennis mm. ball and uh, rolling, rolling the foot. And that would be something that I'd recommend to every athlete on a, if not daily, certainly weekly basis. Um, not only does that massage the, the muscles underneath the feet, but um, it's been shown to improve blood flow, improves balance, uh, believe it or not, short term as well, um, which is kind of cool. And probably most importantly, it mobilizes the joints in your feet. And we've got so many of these little joints that we really need all of them to be working in harmony together. And if they get locked up, then the force gets transmitted from that area to the next area, either upstream or downstream. So, um, so that's tip number one. Would be would we uh, do that, um, the foot. Would we do that sitting or standing? Yeah, start off sitting for sure, uh, and then then gradually build up to standing. So, uh, sitting allows you to relax, and you don't have to go really hard to get an effective mobilization through there. And in fact, sometimes um, clenching is, is almost counterproductive. So we want to just relax the foot. I talk about making the foot uh, mold to the ball uh, is the sort of words I tend to use and start off sitting and then build up to, to standing. Yep. Uh-huh. So some other things. Yep. Yeah. So the, the next most important thing, once you've made sure your foot's unlocked is you got to strengthen these little muscles in, in the feet. Um, there's heaps of different ways to do that. I could tell you about all the different research on, on what's better, but you just need a couple of, of really good ones. And probably my favorite would be um, the short foot. And that's probably got the most amount of uh, research around it. And so uh, what you're trying to do here is you're really trying to uh, dome the arch or, or shorten the, the, the arch. So this is typically done in sitting so that you don't have to have a lot of weight on it. And you're trying to make the arch lift up and uh, shorten. So make your foot literally shorter. Take your toes back towards your heel. Okay. And you can, you can have a go at doing that in, in your shoes even, but uh, ideally bare feet because you want to watch your toes. And if your toes are clawing or buckling whilst doing that, then you're trying too hard and you're using the wrong muscles, using the long, the long flexor muscles. And we want to use just the muscles in the arch. So the short, um, short foot or intrinsic muscles of the arch. I'm trying to do that now while we're talking. <laughs> yeah, my toes, not well. 
I think I chose yeah. the chlorine. <laughs> okay, so no chlorine. We definitely yeah. do not want chlorine. Um, that's that suggests that then that's the common pattern we see is that the long long toe flexors, which uh, very important propulsive muscles, they get overworked and 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 maybe this might even contribute to to shin splints and and tibial stress syndrome as well. So uh, we we want to switch them off. They're already doing lots, and we want to get the little muscles that are just in the arch working. Um, commonly, you, what you're experiencing right now, Isabel, is um, is that you can't do that well despite um, practicing. So if that's the case, then grab a theraband and hopefully. Uh, you all know what that that is um that just the resistance band you want to choose a light light resistance one fold it in half so it's narrow and uh wrap it around let's start with your big toes probably the easiest and then push down into into that with it again okay, a straight yeah. toe so yeah. i call that toe waving or or toe gym and uh you're you're it's it seems easy uh but uh it's actually quite challenging again to avoid clawing and if you're really committed you could you could do that on every single toe yeah it sounds easy but i can i can bet it wouldn't be yep <laughs> yeah yeah and it takes a bit of mucking around and, and and look that's a bit of a problem uh with uh these exercises they're time consuming and um really getting um athletes if they're certainly not in pain um then it's hard to motivate them to do them yeah. so um that is certainly uh, a little bit of a challenge i suppose it's something you could do while watching television but yes i, I know sometimes once i'm on the couch that's it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um and look the that's it's one of the one of the reasons why we uh developed um out of the clinic here, uh, uh, something called flamingo feet, which is uh, which are silicon toe spreaders that um, you can just slip on. And uh, we we haven't published the research yet. We're still collating data, but uh, we think that uh, the these silicon toe spreaders by wearing them around, you're actually strengthening your muscles. That's what we've what we've seen over the last two years, and uh, we're measuring that um, the small muscles in the feet on ultrasound. And uh, because it solves that exact problem, you're on the couch and you're done. Was if you just slip yeah. these um, little silicon toe spreaders on, then you can walk around a little bit when you get up and grab a coffee or a tea or whatever. And and, and we think you're working your muscles at the same time. Sounds good. Uh -huh. So what else can we do? Uh, what else can we do? So there's uh, probably a few other exercises that I'd I'd. I would suggest doing, um, and this is a really easy one. It's a little bit of a progression. You can you can have a go at this now if if uh, if you want to. Um, so calf raises is is something we're all familiar with. We know how important the, the calf is. Um, a little tip there is leaning forwards. So doing a calf raise instead of standing vertically, lean right forward. So your body is still straight, uh, but what will happen there is your toes will flex. Your toes will flex forwards. So we know from the research that if we strengthen the arch muscles in a toe flexed up position, which is exactly like what happens in our propulsive phase of running, yeah. then that's four times as effective for strengthening the arch muscles. So um, slight little you know, tweak to what you're perhaps already doing in doing calf raises, but um, just lean forward so that the okay. angle is... It's a propulsive um, position. That's yep. that's another easy tip. Yeah, yeah. From a from a standing position, I'm presuming you mean. 
yes, standing position for that one. Yeah. 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 Now, what are your thoughts on um, orthotics or um, shoe inserts and that sort of thing, which many runners do? Yeah. Uh, look, that's a that's like everything. It's a case by case individual um, analysis. There's I think that's a huge problem in, in healthcare and in our, our uh, industries, you know, is, is coming up with sort of blanket claims. Uh, we really need to assess that on a case by case basis. Um, my personal preference is I'm not a huge fan of them. Uh, if we can avoid them wherever possible, I do. That's how I, how I practice. And that's certainly the ethos of, of our team here. Um, and the podiatrist we have in our, on our team here is, is the same. Um, but I think it's important to understand uh, what's the problem we're trying to solve and what are the options and what's the what's each option going to going to involve from a time commitment and effort point of view uh, mm-hmm. and and if people are not going to let's say they've got a major foot problem and they've consistently uh, injured and their mechanics are not ideal then um, if they're not if they're time poor you know if they're they're like me, they've got two kids and running businesses and sneaking runs in here and there. They're going to struggle to do the, the, the commitment, I think, to, to what it's going to take to strengthen everything and slowly uh, build up. But it can be done. Um, so it's a case by case. So I'm not anti them. I'm not for them. It's, it's case by case. Personally, I use them for uh, road running. Um, if I'm trail running, I, I can get away with not using them because of the variable terrain. Um, and uh, yeah, I think my other comment on that would be the number of times that clients come in and, and uh, whether they're athletes or non-athletes and they've got orthosis in their shoes. And then I ask them, well, what are they for? And they can't remember mm-hmm. uh, is, is a classic um, weekly, weekly response. And so, you know, they, they were there for a reason at the time. Uh, it was probably a really good reason um, that, whatever issue was is probably resolved and they're still wearing these things. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of that. So uh, if you are wearing them, uh, make sure you're, they're still doing what they're designed to do and uh, maybe get them checked and do I, do you still need them uh, would be the question can, I'd ask myself. I've heard, and, and it could be an old wives tale, but can sort of orthotics make your feet lazy? Yeah, that's, that's not an old wives tale. So it's uh, yes is the short answer. Um, they yeah. can, again, it's massively variable. So, uh, if you look at the orthotic research, the, they'll, they'll grab a whole lot of uh, samples of, of, of people, they'll put orthotics in and unsurprisingly, when you break it down to the biomechanical level, some orthotics, some people pronate more with orthotics in and some people pronate less with orthotics in, yeah. um, so it really depends on the shape of their foot and the axis of where the movement's occurring and then where that force is then being redirected from the, the orthotic. Um, so, yeah, that's why we get such uh, hugely variable responses um, from orthotics. So, yes, you're right. In some people, orthotics can, can turn some foot muscles off. Yeah. Now, um, when we're just um, walking around the house or, you know, doing that sort of thing, should we try to be barefoot, you know, as much as possible? In my, my opinion, yes. Um, a- absolutely. If you can tolerate it, uh, uh, yes. And if the surface is, if you've got polished concrete, which is, you know, was pretty trendy in the last 10 yeah. years, um, 
I'm not sure that's an amazing surface to be be constantly walking bare feet on, but uh, polished wood floors, um, yeah, as much as possible, I'm a big fan of getting out of the, the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you were just talking about the concrete there, um, is there a difference, you know, when we're running, and you did talk about trails with a variable surface, between, say, running on bitumen concrete and trails? Yes, um, massively. Concrete is so much more dense, um, and I couldn't quote a research paper on that. Um, but having spoken to treated plenty of runners um, over the years, including and, and have felt what it's like to run concrete versus asphalt versus um, trail, it's th there's a massive difference. So the variability yeah. is uh, hugely uh, helpful. Uh, for trail running. So uh, it just means forces are shared across uh, different parts of the body and they don't tend to get channeled into one spot, which tends to overload that spot and, uh, and, and the body can't uh, cope necessarily with that. So yeah, no, there's a, there's a big difference and uh, stay away from the concrete. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, a lot of the bike paths, they're, they're getting rid of the bitumen and putting concrete down, which I find really frustrating. It's getting harder, isn't it? Um, yeah. Being city dwellers to 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 get out uh, on on the and and the sand trails as well, yeah. like it's That's they're right. even getting rarer and rarer. So yeah. Um, yeah, no natural surfaces definitely the way to go if you can find them. Yeah, and now what about you know like doing drills? Um, if we're the kind of athlete that does do drills, would we be better off doing them um, in bare feet? You know, like on a nice grassy surface. Or would we be better off doing them in the kind of shoes that we would run in? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I'm glad you asked because I haven't talked technique yet. And that's probably the other big, big area where you can make some big gains from mm. uh, performance and, and both uh, injury prevention as well. Um, so going back early to your question about what can we do to look after our feet, um, technique training and technique drills and technique coaching is is the, the other big, big part of that. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of investing time in that. Um, and specifically your point, uh, yeah, that's usually how I introduce uh, runners if they're curious as to uh, what the, the start of their barefoot or, or minimalist shoe journey is to take the shoes off for drills and uh, find an oval. There's plenty of those around yeah. and do their yeah. drills at least bare feet. See how that feels, see how it changes their form. Um, and invariably the overwhelming response is usually it's, it's, it improves their, their keen aesthetic awareness. So their, their feedback through their feet, which, which tends to get better posture through the runner and, and, and more propulsion. So a uh, big fan of drills and dumb bare feet safely. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and of course, yeah, just checking checking the surface. Um, now, what about, say, if we're an athlete who does um, plyometrics, what's the effect on the feet with that one? Yeah, well, huge forces. Mm. So um, huge forces through the whole body. So uh, um, proceed with caution is, is my mm. usual approach there. Um, that's certainly where the research is headed around uh, the role of these muscles in the feet. So we've talked about the intrinsic muscles. Um, we, we think that they actually, their role is, is perhaps uh, more to stay, to keep the big toe connected down into the ground and then make the foot itself more of a spring. And so, uh, because there's been lots of examples in research of, and I've seen this myself, is people picking up marbles 
and yeah. uh, activating the muscles in their arch. And that's great. Um, that's certainly what we've done forever until the last set of 10 years. Um, but they don't necessarily get stronger. Um, they get better activation, but they don't get stronger and yeah, their okay. propulsion doesn't change. So that's really important, I think, for the athlete because they're interested generally more in performance. Yeah. And so to strengthen the, the muscles in their feet, they have to do slightly different exercises. Um, some of the ones that I talked about earlier, um, that calf raise one, uh, for example, leaning forwards, that's hugely uh, beneficial for, for getting actual improvements in propulsion and and we've seen again with that toe just to reiterate that point with if we strengthen the arch muscles with the toes flexed up and we get that much better result the the follow-up of that study was that the athletes uh, measured six weeks later and that's not a huge amount of time they had increased in uh, their distance uh, in horizontal and vertical leap so that's what we want to we want to yeah. get to um, so uh where was i going with that she's I, I i i got excited there about some, <laughs> some more um foot research um plyometrics that's right so um i think uh once or twice a week is 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 okay um i know i gave myself a stress fracture from doing oh. my foot from doing yeah. them three times a week yeah. um so what watch out for that i've seen that time and time again um a little trap to fall into but um i mean it's there is huge forces there. So just uh, a, a little bit would be my professional advice there. Yeah, yeah. Now, how does our um, <clears throat> ankle mobility um, impact on our feet? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, it's probably the first place I look at. Uh, we'll be checking the, the talus and the ankle joint. Uh, so we call that the talocrural joint. Um, that's the first thing I look at in any foot and ankle problems so whilst we've talked a lot about toes today and, and muscles in the feet um that i still believe that the the function of the ankle is is probably the most important part so uh, it's it's the number one uh aspect of of what i think we can do as therapists uh, because there's no direct muscle attachment to the navicular so that's really interesting because we as physios, we use muscles to sort of um, influence an area uh, of either injury or an area we want to uh, change alignment, but there's nothing that attaches to the talus directly. So we can't just fire up a muscle that uh, will influence that talus function. Uh, it's, so the positioning of that talus is really important. Uh, so there's, a, there's definitely, in my opinion, a role for uh, calf stretches is probably the key one that you can do on your own, uh, but manual therapy, uh, the role of a chiropractor, a physio is, is helpful uh, in, that, in, in that particular situation. So ankle dorsiflexion, so that forwards um, bending uh, movement is, you, you really need, a, 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 I'm going to say an adequate amount um, that is individually uh, variable. Uh, but you need an adequate amount to do what you want to do. So you don't need a huge amount to run um, and you need even less to sprint, uh, but uh, you do need, uh, certainly for distance running, you do need some adequate range there. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So do you have any um, final tips for, for runners for looking after their feet or getting the most out of their feet so they can get the most out of their running? Yeah, so the, we've covered off on those exercises that um, uh, if you t try them out for six weeks, 
watch the difference. You'll notice a difference. Yeah. Um, so definitely strengthen your arch muscles. Um, and and, and how, often, how often should they do those exercises? Sorry. Yeah, um, great point. So once a day would be ideal and yeah. you don't do them for long. So three sets of 15 um, slow raises, three seconds up, three seconds yeah. down. Uh, that I'd, I'd be happy with that. Uh, that that'll yeah. get you what you need to get to. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Go on. No, not at all. The, the um, since you mentioned it uh, with ankles, ankle sprains, number of times a little little ankle tweak. Uh, there's there's uh, certainly plenty of research, and my my personal experience is is that uh, runners uh, typically don't take little ankle sprains seriously enough, um, and all sorts of things happen in the the muscular system on a very subtle level. And yes, you can you know suck it up and and keep running, and and uh, uh, maybe you ice it for a day and then you, and you forget about it. But um, there'll be lagging effects that we know for weeks and sometimes months and sometimes ongoing. Um, yeah. So make sure you get your, if you've had a little sprain, get that checked out professionally um, and make sure that's rehabbed right back up to a full, not just adequate level, but proper performance strength level. That's, that's really important because um, I reckon nine months later after that little ankle incident, um, you're in you're in the clinic with something else, and then we've got to trace it back. And gee whiz, uh, it often comes back to that sprain that just throws out um, the the muscle balance. So make sure you you take those seriously as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I certainly know for myself. Many years ago, I did strain my ankle and it swelled up, and of course, I just ignored it, kept running. <laughs> as you do um, but uh, that's that is the ankle now that if it's going to give way that's the one that gives way yeah yeah exactly so um a little lateral ankle sprain turns into something called chronic ankle instability mm. and uh that's where you you're spraining it all the time in progressively um less um dynamic situations you know you're walking along and you step on a, on a little stick and mm. over, over she goes um the long-term consequence of that is uh, a proportion of those go to ankle arthritis and that's an absolute disaster because that's um that's running days over yes. so um yeah i'm not trying to scare anyone but um <laughs> it's it's really easy to to you know just strengthen up after a little sprain it's not a big deal but you do need to uh restore your movement restore your strength fully and uh, and restore your um, your balance and control again. And, and that doesn't take much. So uh, just do those little things um, well at the time. Yeah, and I just realised I, I missed a question that I, I wanted to ask. Um, on your bio, you talked about that you deal with bunions. Now, can ultra run or any kind of runner, but because they're spending so much time in their feet, can they create bunions? Yeah, so... Um, bunions, or, or as they're called um, in the in the in the game, hallux valgus is when the the toe, uh, the great toe, um, tends to. If if the uh, listeners are unfamiliar, uh, the the big toe tends to drift across, and we get a, a malalignment there, and then we get yeah. um, bony growth there, so a big a big lump there. Um, there's there's definitely a hereditary component to them, uh, so we. We don't emphatically know 100% what causes bunions. We know genetics is a, is a contributing factor. We know in shoeless societies, of which there's not many left, they do not have bunions. Okay. So, so that's interesting. Mm. Um, and I can, I, I think that speaks to what I'm 
I'm pretty confident that um, uh, a genetic predisposition of alignment, uh, if you're a few degrees off, it starts to drift. That combined with poor footwear, in particular narrow, um, narrow toe boxes and uh, high heels being the worst, um, mm. fancy stilettos, um, that absolutely contributes to, to bunions. So can runners give themselves bunions? I think they can if they're predisposed to it and if they're wearing ill-fitting footwear. And um, I see that all the time. So uh, you've got to get onto that early. Once it goes past a certain angle of deviation, it's very hard to pull it back and uh, it, it can result in surgery. So mm, okay. um, yeah, again, that's, that's actually how we started um, with the, uh, the toe, the flamingo feet, the toe spreaders. Again, we started yeah. using them in with great success in the bunion population. And then, then we started noticing that, that their arch muscles were getting stronger and their arch heights were improving. And, and so we started putting them in athletes and started getting results from that point of, of, of view too. So if you do have any sort of alignment issue um, with that big toe, it is so important that you get onto that really early. So, um, so some toe, toe separators in there and some strengthening exercises uh, for the muscles that hold it in good alignment, uh, really, really key. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was important to touch on because, I mean, like like we said, we don't often like to look at our feet because they can be quite ugly when you run enough. So it is important to to be mindful of these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want bunion surgery. It's mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a long time off running, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty painful. It can be anyway. So yeah, we want to want to get onto that early. And it generally comes back anyway, doesn't it? Uh, no, with modern techniques. So oh, the, okay. the traditional uh, shave it back. So they, yeah. they used to just shave the excess bone back. Now we've got a much better understanding of how uh, that's actually the end result of the bunion. The cause is way up further yes. back in the midfoot. Right. And when you're starting to look at the midfoot, then you've got to look at the ankle. So it's all connected back together and the surgeons now cut uh, and 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 reshape uh, the bones further back up in the foot. Ah, so okay. They um, they realign a lot of yeah. the biomechanics all the way back up through the first ray. So it's far more successful. Um, the it typically doesn't um, come back. That's unusual yeah. now. But um, yeah, hence why it's a big operation. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a very big and complicated operation. So let's avoid that if we can by looking after our feet. Yes, right. please. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Where can people go to find out more about you or book an appointment or something like that? Yeah, so um, I'm, I manage uh, Ball and Sports and Physiotherapy Centre. So if you're in Melbourne, um, you can uh, you can pop in there if, if you like. Uh, so it's ballandsportsphysio.com.au. Um, but uh, the, the other place is if you head to freestylefeet.com. Uh, .com.au. That's, um, that's the other business uh, that, that we started to really help people uh, get more out of their feet, um, particularly if they don't have access to physios or they don't have access to a podiatry, they're, um, they're in a country town or, um, or they've, they haven't had success with, with the therapist they've seen because of the reasons I alluded to earlier, we're just not uh, necessarily that well trained in, in, in this part of the, the body, then um, we really want to help people uh, help themselves so um, there's some videos on there on how to how to look after their feet and uh, and how to use little little inexpensive little products that will make a big difference excellent that sounds really good all right well thank you so much for your time absolute pleasure and uh, I wish you all well with your feet thank you
I don't know about you, but I was amazed to hear about the talus bone and how important such a small bone is. I truly think I do, and maybe you do too, take feet for granted. They certainly put up with a lot. And I know with my last run, we did a lot of running on concrete and oh my goodness, my feet were sore. Just just the base of them, just from hitting that concrete. So like um, Andrew suggested, try to stick more to asphalt or um, trails. So in saying that, have a great week of running and training and have fun out on the roads and trails. See you next time.